We've seen a lot of good come from the movement control order in Malaysia. In spite of all the restrictions, we've seen God bring humanity closer, families spending more time together, and kind hearts giving to the less fortunate. We have many things to thank God for, especially for all the frontliners, from doctors to nurses to admin staff and the cleaners. As the number of infections and deaths gradually drop, restrictions begin to loosen, we place our hope and trust in His mercy. As we present this song, Betapa Hatiku, from the Catholics at Home Virtual Choir. Betapa Hatiku Berterima kasih Tuhan Kau mengasihiku Kau memilikiku Thank you. 
And welcome to another Saturday live show on Catholics at Home. My name is Kachang Kevin and on behalf of the team, we'd like to thank you for taking this time and spending it with us this Saturday morning. I'm sure there's lots you can do on a Saturday morning. So we'd like to make sure that we try and get the, the best guests that we can find on the show so that it's worth your time. And I'm sure most of you are aware and you know who our guest is uh, this morning. Right now, we're keeping her backstage for a while as more and more people are logging into the show. So for those of you, if you're on right now, hey, why don't you tell us uh, where you're watching this from? You know, just type in the chat box. You know, we're also streaming on the ArchKL platforms. So just let us know uh, where you're watching this from, maybe which parish you come from. We'd like to know who's watching us and uh, where you're watching this from. All right. So uh, just let us know. In the meantime, I'd like to say good morning to Philomena, Hillary. Uh, let's see, Patrick, Max, Sue, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, you know, what you can do is, uh, I mean, you know, it's going to be an exciting show because of our guests, right? So just share this out, you know, start a watch party or share this out. There's a share button on your Facebook page. Share it out to your friends, your family members, and, you know, we'll have a good time for the next one hour. So please do that for us once again. Thank you for joining us and a very good morning to you. Uh, Mark Darren Lee is uh, producing the show, so if you have any questions or comments for our guests later on, please do type them in the comments box and we'll screen them and hopefully, if we have time, we'll address some of the issues uh, that we're talking about. In the meantime, uh, let me introduce or bring on the very thoughtful and reflective Father Clarence Devadas. Good morning, Hi, Father. Good morning, Kevin. <laughs> How are you doing? Very good, Kevin. I'm well, thank you. Uh, as I said, All right. life is getting back a bit normal, so getting a bit more busy now. Thanks. We have missed you too because you're busy also. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes the timing doesn't uh, doesn't match and, you know, so unfortunately. But uh, thank goodness that you and Mark have been uh, carrying on the show <laughs> and it's been quite interesting uh, in the past couple of weeks when I'm not around. Uh, but I'm sure, Father, you're looking forward to our conversation this morning as we have a parliamentarian with a big heart and what is definitely a huge mission in stemming out racism and sexism in our society. Well, her quest for truth and justice was not only moulded by her father, the late P. Pato, but also by her faith and conviction. This morning, Catholics at Home has all access to YB Kasturi Pato. Good morning, YB. Hi, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Father. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for uh, spending the time, uh, taking the time to be with us this morning. Uh, oh. Really honoured to have you on the show. No, the honour is mine, really. It's not often, <laughs> you know. But then, yeah, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me and remembering. <laughs> thank you. Now, YB, I don't think uh, an hour is enough to talk about your life and journey as a parliamentarian and all the issues that you're passionate about. But before we get into the serious conversation, correct me if I'm wrong, you're also passionate about the Liverpool Football Club. Is that right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. 
Okay, this so is something I, I don't I, I don't want to hear anymore already. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, no. <laughs> the truth hurts sometimes, father. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, well, we'll be polite. We'll be polite, and we will, uh, you know, we're very happy for you. Congratulations to Liverpool. You know, we're not really happy with the outcome, Father and I, but then uh, we're happy for you. And you know, as, as we agreed, uh, thirty years gives you just thirty seconds, thirty seconds to talk about Liverpool. Oh come on, really? You fumbled on that. <laughs> what, what do you bad. like about Liverpool, YB? Oh, just um, I. I I started watching and following uh, Liverpool and their matches uh, when I was a teenager, uh, and then just followed through. Um, I I always found the way the players back in those days, Robbie Fowler and and that gang, you know, uh, the way they played and um, yeah, just, yeah. Apart from yeah, when then again, a lot of my friends also were Manchester United supporters, so that just drove me further in you know, oh. to to be. <laughs> more of a Liverpool fan but apart from that it's just the way they've played their history yeah it's uh, quite quite impressive mm. so look, uh, looks like it's like, like our administrator hijacked, hijacked this, this whole conversation and started putting his own comments now yeah, <laughs> fine. unfortunately father he has the control for the <laughs> for all this he can't do anything about it fortunately <laughs> Yeah. Your yeah, family too are Liverpool fans? Sorry? Your family too are Liverpool fans? Oh, we have a mix, but majority are Liverpool fans. Mm. But mix, yeah. Sorry, Father. <laughs> as, I, as I told Mark, uh, no, after winning the Premier League for 13 times, I think you kind of got tired a bit. So we just, let's share the joy with others too. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> How gracious of you all. <laughs> <laughs> Sharing is caring, huh? <laughs> That's what Bunny says. <laughs> <laughs> All right, once again, uh, welcome to everybody who's joined us. Uh, we'd like to say hi to Stephen, uh, Angeline, Angeline. Yes, good morning, everybody. Uh, so just uh, let us know if you have any questions for YB later on. We'll try and get them addressed, uh, bring them on the show. So just type in the comments box, all right? But in the meantime, uh, Father Clarence, uh, maybe we can begin uh, talking with YB about um, yes, her, her background and her growing up years, you know. Uh, what was it like? Of course, we know your father was uh, a senior politician uh, as well. So um, let's talk a bit about your, your background, how you grew up in, a, in that environment of your father being a politician as well. Did that encourage you? Oh, yeah. I, I think I was privileged to grow up in a home where uh, my father was a politician, but having a mother who is also um, very politically uh, sharp and uh, politically involved as well helped. Uh, no doubt, mum ran the house, you know, taking care of me, my sister and uh, her parents. But um, I think at a young age, my sister and I had already been exposed to charamas and rallies. And uh, it was a different time in the 80s and the 90s. It was a different era. It was a different political scenario with different forms of enforcement also uh, you know all those years standing in front of a shopping mall and trying to sell the rocket newspaper to people and everyone's just so scared to buy the rocket paper in case somebody takes a picture of them having the paper in their hand you know it was that sort of an era to go for rallies uh, to to listen to my father speak to look at the faces of the people who came for those charamas and rallies you know so full of hope and just taking in every bit of information that the leaders were giving them on 
abuse of power, mismanagement, injustice, uh, etc. So it it sort of opened my eyes a lot. So that's why I say I'm privileged. I don't know if many of my other friends would have seen it. Some may have experienced it, but it certainly stirred something in my heart ever since I was young. I I remember following my father on a campaign trail in 1990 to Sungai Siput, and I just couldn't believe the way some of the families were living. You know, I mean, we we live modestly, you know, just comfortable, never big bungalow houses and all that, nothing like that. But I saw families that was far worse than the and the way we lived, you know, and I couldn't understand this sort of a social injustice. Like, how is it that some people have everything and more, more than what they actually need, and some just live on. Very little and just the bare minimum, and that made me question, you know, this inequality and yeah. So p- perhaps that would would have been um, the first eye opener. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of political violence uh, in that time. I saw a lot of uh, uh, you know, thuggish political thuggish behavior in politics and you know, being female, I I never actually looked at myself as a girl as a female. Pushing for any any of my ideas or reforms or agendas, but more of just as a person, uh, you know. But as I grew older, I started to see the 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 inequality even between gender. I started to see the the social expectations. I started to see the social impositions, and then I it stirred uh, uh, an awakening. So, uh, you know, growing up, I told myself I don't want to be part of. Of of you know just sitting and watching things happen. I want to be part of the movement. I want to be part of the race. I want to be in the, you know where the the action is and you know yeah. So that's why I I said no lah. I'm not gonna, not an armchair sort of critic. You know sitting behind watching and making comments, but just to be right in the middle of it in the eye of the storm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you. Yeah. Growing up, I mean, where 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 was this? I mean, where 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 did you grow no. up? Ipoh. I grew up in Ipoh. Uh, I I spent the first few years of my my babyhood, uh, uh, you know, in the Goping, in Kopisan. Uh, so Lawan Kuda, Kopisan are very familiar places even till today. Uh, and then we moved to Ipoh town and we lived there. And that's where I got my um, uh, kindergarten, primary, secondary school education from Main Convent, Marine Convent to Main Convent to Saint Michael's. Uh yeah, and it was then uh in 1995 that because that won the M- the parliament constituency seat in Penang that we were in the midst of moving to Penang because it's always encouraged, even though a lot of them say that MPs need not stay in their constituencies because they are national lawmakers they can live anywhere but remember that your constituents elected you you know we have a different voting system in Malaysia you know so. Uh, your constituents get to vote you. Your nation—it's not that the people of the nation voted you, you know, but only for your constituency. So you—it's your duty to be there or at least be near to to uh, uh, look into their needs, etc. So we were in the midst of moving to Penang, uh, and then we passed on. So you know, we kind of got all the barang back, and then yeah. So the family house is still in Ipoh. Mm. Yeah. I just wanted to add on uh, just now that you you know talking about uh, that moment when you realized that you wanted to serve the rakyat uh, of that incident in Sungai Siput, uh, but I'm sure your father supported you uh, uh, throughout your your journey in this. Um, I suppose um, what what would what was his uh, advice to you uh, at the very start? Um, actually, uh, my my father passed away when I was just 
two weeks shy of turning 16. So obviously at that age, you may not have had that whole, your whole life mapped out already. Like, this is really what I want to do, even though my heart was, uh, you know, I love biology. I, I, I like medicine. And so that's why I graduated with a degree in microbiology and not in political science or law or something like that. But my heart was with this. This is because it came very naturally. Like I didn't need to read up on what I could see social injustice. You know, I could see, you know, abuses of power. I could see real injustices. I could see, uh, you know, um, you know, mismanagement of public funds rather. So, um, yeah, I didn't need to read to understand that in my heart. I just knew it and I felt it. But, you know, having lost your father when you are 16 um, and then having to be raised by a single parent like my mom uh, meant that she took over the role of my father in giving me the sort of support that I needed, uh, you know, even to enter into politics. Uh, so, yeah. But I think my father's advice to me came in the form of his action. I observed and I saw with my own eyes how he was with his party comrades, how he was with the people, how he... I, I, I read and saw pictures of him going to Geneva, speaking about the abuse of human rights that's ha that was happening in Malaysia, you know, the, the curtailing of freedom of speech, the right to dissent, you know, etc. And then I also saw him like standing on a table in a coffee shop, like, you know, like any Chinese coffee shop, and just standing and speaking to a crowd of like, um, you know, uncles and aunties who were just, you know, they would laugh away when he poked fun and, you know, just, yeah teased uh, uh, other politicians in the country. So it made me, you know, he, he really didn't, he didn't, uh, in my eyes, my father wasn't uh, a leader of any particular group or type of people or, you know, a Colombo of people. But, you know, he just, he was just appealing to everyone. And it's it's so wonderful. Like when I go to Kota Baru in Kelantan, I have people asking me, are you Patu's daughter? Oh, he came and spoke here in the 70s, you know, and he really knew the Malay culture, the Malay, you know, the the the, the, the Budi Bahasa, the Kosopanan sort of, you know, and also that little bit of like how, you know, uh, they touch their head when they say something and they say, you know, he did that. And for us, we were like, wow, you know, this Indian man doing all these things that's very Malay. Uh, you know, and then I go to Sabah and Sandakan and someone says, oh, your father came and stayed in my office because they didn't have money to pay for even a hotel or even a budget hotel at that time. So I said, Papi, if you want, you can use my office to stay and just a mattress on the floor and that's it, you know. And yeah, so these are the sort of stories I hear from others uh, uh, who show, you know, a side of my father, but also a side that I never saw. So, Yeah. Mom, mom gave a lot of support. My my family gave a lot of support as well. Yeah. And you say that you have a you have a sister. Is she also yeah. inclined into issues of justice, just like you are? I mean, she is. Uh, <laughs> she is, but um, she she has a family. Uh, okay. You know, I'm a proud auntie to two um, you know nieces, the the apples of my eye, my jewels. Uh, but my sister assists me uh, in any way that she can. Uh, when I need something to be done, I normally just ask her, can you please look this up for me and all that. So, yeah, she's in touch, uh, you know. So she is very politically sharp. In fact, sometimes I would feel sharper than me. Um, but, you know, juggling between uh, being a full-time mother, taking care of the kids, which is, you know, far more strenuous than a job of an MP, I think. 
um, you know, because it's a 24-hour job as well. So, but she does help, and uh, she is politically uh, inclined as well as together. I think one yep. one thing that I I guess I always look at is you know, people seem to think that politics and faith uh, is like it's like oil and water. They don't mix. <laughs> there are people who think that way, you know. Uh, but for you, I mean, uh, being a Catholic, and I know uh, your parish, uh, Holy Name of Mary in Pematang Tinggi, give them a shout out this morning. Uh, but how, how do you how do you bring this together? How do you how do you see your faith and what you do? Your conviction is your faith as the foundation of helping you in what you do. Um, I think, Father, perhaps the question because you're comparing politics, which has different types of politics you know there are many countries and nations to that subscribe to different ideologies of po what politics is you know you have your you know imperialists and capitalists socialists and communists etc uh, you know and then all the new words that have come up over the last 10 years you know these jargons um, but faith has been steadfast from day one until today uh, you know, if at all we have deepened our understanding of what faith is, what the teachings are, what the word is, but politics and the ideologies have changed over time. So I can understand why sometimes when you say it's like oil and water, it is true because it is transcending over time and, and it has changes. But the principles and and this, and this and what what faith uh, entails is cemented. It's It's not... It's not something that is it's, uh, volatile or it can change. Or today you say yes to, to this. Uh, if it's a crime today, then tomorrow it's not a crime anymore. But in politics, that has changed. Uh, but for me, my faith is my compass. And I find it uh, um, easy because there is no book that I need to refer to unless, you know, like if you're talking about the word of God, but that's different. But it's not that I have some, a code of, my code of conduct is my faith. Uh, how I deal with issues, how I approach situations is my faith. And uh, that is really like a fish to water for me. Uh, I just have to ask myself, if, if I just feel a, one ounce of doubt in my heart about something, that is, I know that is my conscience and I know that is the voice that is speaking, telling me, hang on, hold on. Uh, you know, maybe you want to think about it again. So sometimes I... I often, you know, when it comes to making very difficult decisions, I pray very hard about it and tell God, just please give me a sign, uh, you know, show me, show me a way out, uh, you know, give me wisdom, give me discernment. But it's not easy, um, um, Father, because sometimes, you know, time is really of essence. So sometimes you are so caught up in the moment that you 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 don't pray early enough before the. You know, like sometimes I just pray seconds before I go on stage or in parliament and then I kick myself and say, why didn't I, you know, I should have spent more time. But I know God knows what's in my heart. You know, that every day I start with prayer and every night I end with prayer. Uh, and along the way, um, uh, you know, as I travel for my family, for my friends, for my constituents, uh, for my constituency, for the nation, for, yeah, so my list is long. Uh, but then, yeah, the faith actually keeps me grounded, um, Father. But it doesn't mean that I've not been in situations where I felt that that I was expected to take different decisions. But sometimes you just have to be stubborn about it 
and and you know in your heart that it will pay at the end of the day like uh, just a simple example father in the past there have may have been a culture of public money being used for political programs and events which is a big no no on my side and many of my my colleagues you cannot mix the two these are tax payers money that must go back not through pol political party means but over time we find people telling us why can't you do this last time the government allowed it was easy but it's difficult to deal with you in your office you ask for so much paperwork and i tell them i said because in the past there were many parties that didn't follow guidelines properly you know and that is why y'all have voted for us so that we can do a clean job for you but you still want me to subscribe to that you know to oh but you can do last time okay what easy what i say when you apply for a loan in the bank you can't tell the bank oh you know last time my father's time my grandfather's time was easy what the bank would say three months pay slip or you know the door is there so things like that you know father but you have to be steadfast you have to tell them no this is how it's supposed to be done you know and and it this this doesn't make sense we've had you know parties coming and saying can you sponsor this can you sponsor that and i say no i can't and they say yeah but you're in government you have so much money i say ah but it's it's people's money i cannot give it for political parties you know so those are some of the small things that these are the challenges small challenges that i face father but there are greater challenges also sometimes but you have to choose you have to make a stand on things and sometimes it's not easy yeah we we'll, we'll talk about the specific challenges yeah i mean i mean so it looks like catholics at home now we can't ask yb for some sponsorship for this wow show <laughs> I, i thought that was the reason we brought it on <laughs> no 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 yes 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 as opposition a lot of our funds have been frozen so i know we that's kind not, of not, yeah that's intention is just a joke yeah because a lot of people think that's what people think you know people engage with politicians sometimes is because they want something back you know mm. uh, but as you know for us as the title of the show today is what is truth what we want back is truth that's the most important thing yeah truth and justice, yeah. you know and yeah. that 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 money cannot buy you know yeah. that that's something that comes from within uh, that's comes from your own conviction of course uh, that's the most important thing that that at least i look as i look towards politicians parliamentarians uh, i i look towards that and and the and and also the the humility to say that i was wrong yeah we are oh, not perfect yes. we are not yeah. perfect we make mistakes yeah. all of us yep. and, and the humility to say that yeah i made a mistake yeah and and it's acceptable yes yeah. yeah but um i always say father that if you think that you want to make money in politics then you are in the wrong wrong job if you think that you can be rich if you think that it's a way out i have i also have young people telling me uh, i want a better life i want to join politics because you know um when i make that money i want to give it back to the people and i'm thinking how do you make that money that's a bit you know it's a slippery slope you know father there and i tell them i said that you know it's like a it's a 24 hour job it's just serving you know at the end of the day the you know when casually when you go to the market and restaurants and people say oi boss and we always tell them that you're the boss and we are the coolie uh and people need to understand that you know uh that we are there to serve the rakyat and serve the nation and um, yeah so if you think that you want to if you think politics is dirty in malaysia then you are the ones that we need because you know that there is a problem and it needs to be fixed 
you know, if you think, oh my gosh, you know, politics is dirty, I, I don't want to be part of it, then, you know, it's sad lah. But if you think politics is dirty, then you are the, the people that we need. So we can clean it up. So we can bring the right people into politics, the right men and the right women into politics. Uh, but if you think you want to make money because you have seen other politicians live that kind of a lifestyle, then this is not the job for you, really. You'll be burnt out and you will be very disappointed unless you learn from them how to do things and then, yeah, you know, which is not, which is not right. Yeah. What monkey sees, monkey does also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it. Well, yeah. well, certainly, uh, you know, eradicating uh, corruption and all that is uh, one of the major issues uh, that we have here. But mm. also, uh, for you personally, uh, YB, we know that you are passionate about, uh, you know, uh, stemming out racism and sexism. Maybe you can talk about some of the challenges that you're facing right now. Um. So I think um, it'll be apt for me to talk about what happened in the parliament two weeks back, uh, where I was subjected to uh, racial slurs and sexist remarks by another fellow parliamentarian. So, um, and, the, and the thing is, this is not something new. Uh, in 2012, uh, many of the women MPs approached the speaker to amend the standing order to include the word sexism in it, so that that it, your crime can be compartmentalized. That means it's not just unparliamentary remarks, it's not just offensive language or uncouth language, but we can also say sexist remarks had been made. But also over the years, uh, perhaps um, there was actually no, or rather, you know, the norm is uh, once an MP utters something uh, that is uh, uh, unparliamentary, then you check the hands out the next day and the speaker makes a ruling. But uh, it is always a retraction and an apology, uh, which many MPs do because I, they want to be part of the sitting for the next few days or weeks to come. Unless the MP stands his ground and says, no, I don't want to apologize. I don't think what I said was wrong, which then could mean that he would be ejected or even suspended from the House. Uh, so that's why last week I mooted uh, two amendments to the standing order to add in two new provisions that if an MP is found to have uh, uh, made uncouth, unparliamentary remarks, particularly racist, racist or sexist remarks, they be automatically referred to the Rights and Privileges Committee uh, for them to decide uh, whether or not really the MP was... You, you have a right to be heard. It's like a little tribunal, you know, uh, which won't eat into the parliament actual day one rakyat time. Uh, and if you're found guilty, then a fine will be imposed. Now, I propose 500 because that's the allowance that we get. Uh, you know, so that would be significant. Of course, it's a minimum of 500. It's just one of the first steps. But it cannot be just penalizing uh, MPs, you know. If in the August House, you know, when we give our speech, we say, Dalam Dewan Yang Mulia Ini, Mulia. You know, and yet uh, all the Anjing La, Babi La, Perompak La, all that will come out, you know. Monyet La, all, you know. So it has to start, you know, somewhere, it, and it has to meet in the middle. The government has to move on, on, on speaking about, you know, addressing racism and sexism, and and there has to be legislation on it. I mean, you don't. It, it's honestly, in a way, it's a step back, but it's also a step forward. You know, do you really need the government to tell you what you can say or cannot say after sixty years? You know, to criminalize hate speech. You know, by right, we should be at a point or juncture in the country where we know, oh my gosh, like it should be a minority, you know, like just a small percentage of people who still speak like this and, and you know, 
hurt other people. But if you need a law to do that, I don't know whether it's a step forward or back. But if you need a law, then you need a law. You know, you 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 have to move and you have to move somewhere about it. But um, I think the other issue is also sexism. You know, we come from very conservative, very patriarchal uh, society, and you know, being Asian at that also, uh, it is just breaking glass ceilings one after another. Can you imagine? Um, you know, the first female mayor appointed in the world was from Iceland in 1957, the year we we got our independence, and the yeah. first female mayor, or rather, the the um, Uh, Yang Dipertua, head of a council, was in Penang, Datuk Maimuna, and she took office in 2008 or somewhere around there, or maybe slightly before that. But you know, you can see the 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 decades, how far back we are when it comes to uh, uh, pushing for reforms uh, on gender equality, gender inclusiveness, even gender awareness. You know. And that is why uh, we've actually had two uh, sessions in Parliament on gender sensitization for all MPs. But sometimes, you know, the target ones are the ones who don't come for this kind of talks, <laughs> so they miss out on how, what to speak, how to speak, and all that. But yeah, I, you know, we need to start talking about it uh, and more. And not just mooted by politicians, because everyone thinks that politicians have an agenda. This will become your baby, and then you become a champion of it, and you'll make some international name somewhere. And then, yeah, but it needs to be talked about by everyone, like here today on this platform. You know, you have to address all the the tough issues and and talk about it because sometimes it's the siege mentality. It's the majority feeling that they are like the minority. You know. And and it's always these sensitive subjects that they will tell you don't talk about it because then you know it will bring up. But that's all the more reason why we should start talking about it. A hundred years ago, women were not allowed to vote. They couldn't even brain the idea of females queuing up to cast their ballots to choose for leaders to represent them in the house. You know, it was all it was always assumed that the head of the house, which was also always assumed to be male. To be the voice of the wife, the daughter, the mother, the aunts, the grandmothers, you know, to go as wakil, and it was like a, like in UK, a hundred percent all male MPs. How do you speak about adoption, women's issues, children's issues, family issues, etc., which is the core of what how society is going to grow? You know, it's a big, heavy issue, but many of them think it's not mainstream. It's just a soft issues, but. How your society grows, how your community grows, how your nation grows, depends on how your family grows. You know, and it's very important to be addressed by both men and women. Uh, so times have changed. A hundred years ago, it was okay to punch your wife if she talked back to you. It was okay because she was treated as property. A hundred years down the road, if you hit your wife, you will be in prison for that. It's a crime. You know, and. And now to deprive a female her right to vote is, in in many countries, is already you know a crime, a violation. So, um, it it you have to be you you have while while you have to be also volatile with issues, uh, you have to also be fluid. Sorry, uh, with issues that are changing and moving and how you look at them, uh, but you need to be steadfast with what you believe in and and. And that is again uh, your faith, lah. I don't know, lah. I went around the world and came back. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I think as as you were speaking, you know, as you were saying about you know how women are very involved in life. I mean, 
the thought that's running through my mind. You know, during the MCO, you know, at the, at the first phase, you know, when when only one person was allowed to go out to do house shopping, and I think the word was ketua rumah. The ketua rumah yeah, was allowed. Yeah, yeah. To go out. <laughs> yeah. And then what came up immediately was uh, pictures of vegetables for men to choose. So. <laughs> And suddenly, everybody thought the ketua rumah was the man. But we don't realize yeah. that you have ketuas for different departments in the family, actually. Of course. <laughs> so it's not necessarily just the men. Yeah, uh, exactly. And you know, that ended up on BBC, you know. That, oh, that really? story, yes. It, the, the, someone shared the, the, um, the shopping list on social media, either on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, and, and I think it was also a small drawing of what the vegetable looks like, you know, it was in pencil, just scribbled and someone shared and like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I don't even know what this looks like, sort of. <laughs> and that made it on BBC News. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. As I, was, as I was listening to you, I, I know, uh, YB, one thing, you are very uh, hands-on, you're, you're very down to the ground. I mean, we, we see this, uh, your pictures in your, in your social media. You know, if I were to ask you, you know, as you go around meeting people, I'm sure you have had many experiences meeting people uh, that have moved you. If there's one experience that I would ask you that kind of, you know, shaped you uh, in this recent years, you are a two-term parliamentarian. You know, if I were to put you in the corner, I'm sure you have many experiences. But if I were to put you in the corner and say, if there's one experience that really moved you and in such a way that, you know, it has made you rethink your role, would that be one? Ayo, um, there are a few, la, um, Father, because they are all different in different ways and have impacted me in different ways as well. But I guess you you see, um, you are really tested in a time of uh, tragedy. Uh, in time of, I, I have a few, you know, Father, actually. Uh, if you remember, there was a mass that was held for um, a young man who was... Um, was murdered by the terrorists in by the Abu Sayyaf terrorists, you know. Um, what was his name? I forgot. And uh, they actually they had a mass for him in SFX. Uh, it was a few years back. Yeah, that was that was really one of one of my moving moments. Uh, you know, because it, it just it was just there were so many things running through my mind at that time. You know, the the value of a life. You know. Um, Poverty, corruption, radicalism, extremism, extremism uh, you know, your faith. And, and you, you question many things about your faith at that time. You know? And then and then on the other side, you have when, when Penang was hit with one of the worst floods we had ever experienced in 2017. You know, water levels up to your chest. You know, you see, you know, parents holding their babies in tubs and walking through water. It was just... You know, and at that time I lived in an apartment and I go home and I think that what if I was living in that taman, you know, what if I was living in that kampong and, you know, I came back to my dry apartment on the on the 17th floor and I was like, oh, I couldn't sleep at night. I was just, I kept thinking about those families and I kept thinking about my family. What if they were the ones? And so those were very, uh, very tough times uh, um, for the just, you know, looking at their, their faces. You, you don't have any answers, you know, because it was just, very high tide that day. It was a, it was a super moon. It was high tide. It was very heavy, abnormal, heavy rains, and it was just out of your hands. You just have to, you know, you look at their homes and how it was destroyed. How do you start after that? You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. 
one part of my furniture is scratched or, or cracked or broken and I'm just, you know, fussing about it for days on end. Like, oh, what am I going to do? And then here you have your entire house. Everything is gone. How do you start? You have children. You have your elderly parents living with you. Your job. You know, yeah. So these are some of the very, very painful times uh, that I had experienced, uh, uh, you know, being an MP. Uh, apart from that, uh, one of the campaigns that I've been pushing for is, of course, on the abolition of the death penalty. And that one, the turning point for me was, um, and I always share this story, it was a candlelight vigil for the Batumale brothers. In uh, they, A man was murdered in Sremban. Um, the brothers were charged for it. And uh, that night when we had the candlelight vigil, because uh, every state has a pardons board, and um, the pardon board reviews every case and at the uh, 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 discernment or the decision of the head of the state, the, the young dictator, uh, or the sultan, or the agong even, can decide, okay, I think for my birthday today, I will pardon this person, or I will commute uh, to life. That means his name will be off the, the, the Banduan Ahe. Uh, so we were hoping for some good news, and normally in Malaysia, executions are on Fridays. Uh, it was a Tuesday night, I think, that we were standing outside Kajang Prison, and I stood there with other activists and the families of the Batumale brothers. And when I looked at them, it was the mother was just wearing like a blouse and a sarong with a good morning towel on her shoulder. And her fam and you know, the family members, extended family members were there. It started to drizzle. Um, and it just hit me so hard at that time because I, I looked at them and I thought, you know, here are the families of, of the mother's a rubber tapper from Negris and Milan. And the cars that were lined on the road were your Kalisa, your Maivi, your Kanchil, maybe your Waja, you know, and they were pleading to the government to spare the lives of their sons, not to free them, maybe, but not to execute them. And it hit me so hard that you would not see four-wheel drives, Porsches, Mercedes-Benz, BMWs by the roadside. You will not see people in suits standing by the roadside at night in the rain pleading to the government to not execute my children. Yes, if my children have committed a crime, punish them. Punish them, but don't execute them, please. You know, and then it, it hit me so hard that day, you know, Father, that the ones who are who are 80% of those who are on death row are the ones who come from marginalized groups, the, the B40, they are jobless, they are odd job workers, uh, you know, who grew up, who have difficult families, who come from difficult neighborhoods, tough neighborhoods, you know, and they're all, they make up the majority of those on death row. You know, again, I'm not, if you commit a crime, you have to be punished for it. It's just that the double standard of the punishments that exist, you know. And that was one of the things that pushed me. And I used that on many, many things that I approach also these days. The disparity, you know, that, you know, if you're rich and you have money and you have connections, you can, you can literally get away with murder. In this country and that is what we need to fix because that is the the root of all the problems that we are facing today it's the greed it's the 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 you know the you know you are blind to pain and suffering of other people and you have no conscience you know every night you sleep you know on a on a pillow that's full of money you know so yeah it's those are the the things that that keeps me going that so yeah if you ask me then these are the some of the things that that have have really touched me, uh, you know. Yeah. So I guess yeah. when you 
you do, when you do decide to retire from politics, you can write your memoirs, start collecting them, manuscript, put them together. You know, before I mean, just before we take some questions, I know there's some interesting questions, Kevin, uh, from yeah. our audience. I, you know, I, we would like to have you back as, at some point because uh, the abolition of the death penalty or the capital punishment is something that even the Catholic Church is uh, very proactive in that area. Uh, yes. the preservation of life. So hopefully we can get you back another day. We we'll probably talk about this, uh, about sure, uh, the no problem. penalty, uh, and we will try and organize that to have a, just a, a talk on that. But I think this is something that even as church, as 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 Christians, uh, we should be uh, uh, promoting, uh, you know, and, and standing up for uh, to preserve lives. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Yeah. It's important to also talk about it, lah. Um, yeah, but then uh, I I always fear that we are we always keep talking and preaching to the converted. Um, you know, when we when we after the Cameron Highlands by election, when I came back and went to the markets and all, and many people told me, you all know why you all lost Cameron Highlands? I said, okay, tell me. And he said two reasons: your no smoking ban and your death penalty campaign. Really, and these are market, you know, and you know markets are the the soul, you know, the heart of communities and when you go to the market you get praised or you get scolded you know and everybody talks about governments and policies in the markets uh you know so it's it's the best place to go and chit chat and get views and ideas and you know yeah and just to listen to 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 people and yeah and i thought if if my market friends are telling me this then it must echo the sentiment really on the ground you know so yeah i it has to so it's 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 how you want to frame the narrative when you speak about the no smoking ban and also the, the death penalty for example i can totally <laughs> agree with you on that but the, <laughs> I one short experience and then pass it back to kevin you know you know on, on sundays I, I go to kuala kubaru for mass uh, okay just, uh, and then you, you go to the you, you go to the coffee shop the local coffee shop and i've shared this before you know uh, it is one newspaper uh, that's put out in, in the coffee shop uh, and then everybody takes a little, the, the, the pages all go in separate ways. So each one takes one page, they read, and they start talking, you know, and they talk to each other what's happening in the country and very interesting conversations and observations they make. Uh, and, and I've always found that very fascinating to know what's happening on the ground. So whenever I'm, I'm early there, I, I, go and sit, I go to the coffee shop and I sit down and, and have coffee. And then, you know, in small town, everybody becomes your friend immediately. So that's an interesting <laughs> conversation. That, yeah, I, I can agree with you, the marketplace. Yeah, that's where you get the feel mm -hmm. for the people. Yes. Yeah. Better than better than social media, Father. Just go to the market. Exactly. <laughs> 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 okay, well, uh, as Father mentioned, we have uh, some interesting questions from our viewers this morning. And uh, let, we'll begin with a question uh, from Sue De Cruz. Sue, good morning, Sue. There are some great young talents in politics these days. Digital Parliament is a great example. What plans to make them more visible to the voting public? Um, I So the system in Malaysia is, uh, we still haven't grasped voting for independent candidates. Um, and even though that's a little bit more popular in Sabah and Sarawak, um, but then it hasn't really caught on here in uh, uh, Peninsula. Uh, because of decades and decades of, um, how do I say this, not party politics, but um, you, you, when people look at a, a symbol or a logo, then they, they, they tie that to the 
the struggle, the cause, and what that that group or that party is fighting for. Uh, and and it it will take time if we're going to go in that direction. So I guess now um, there has been a, also a, a bit of a movement, a campaign to talk to young people, to get them to be members of political parties. Because you vote in Malaysia, you still look at the logo. Sometimes many people don't even know who's the candidate or their names, you know. But they will just say, oh, no, you know, I know this party and I know what they fight for and I know what they believe in and I support that. And therefore, I will vote for the candidate because I know that candidate will also carry the, the, the voice of the party, the vision of the party in the work that he or she will do. Uh, so I, I believe that the, the MPs on Parliament Digital, who were brilliant, by the way, brilliant, 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 shout out to them, um, uh, will make a decision to align themselves with political parties. So that, and those parties must therefore then create a platform for them uh, to be considered or pushed or, or groomed to be candidates. Uh, we don't know when uh, elections will be called. Could be this year, could be next year, or, you know, it could stretch until maximum 20, 2023. Um, so, yeah, but I, I hope that um, the, the young people from Parliament Digital will hold on to their beliefs, um, you know, and, and be a bit stubborn on it to tell their, the parties that they're going to join that I believe that these are the ideals that we need to to promote and push for, uh, you know, which is in line with the constitution, which is in line with the laws in the country, and in line with our conscience and our um, um, faith, la, rather. Uh, and and you know, parties have to take those up. You know, sometimes those are very unpopular. Uh, um, places to tread on but then you, you you must make that sort of a decision uh so yeah i think i think now it's more of uh, a case of the parliament digital mps choosing you know it's like it's like when your grades are so good and you get offers from all universities and then you decide oh now you all want me so i will choose you know, where i want to go so i think now the ball is in the court of these young uh, mps uh, future mps uh, to pick the parties that match their ideals, who they know that their voices will be heard. Uh, and therefore, when they become elected reps one day, then those voices will then be translated into laws and acts and policies, which will be carried uh, out in the country. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Wonderful. Uh, we also have a question from Elaine. Elaine Morais. Good morning, Elaine. What is the single most important thing we can do to build common ground in our multicultural society? Um, I, I think the, I think first you have to address the root of the problem, which is very old school politics of siege mentality. Uh, a lot of young people, even on Parliament Digital, and when you talk to them outside, uh, they believe what. Uh, their parents, grandparents, or even leaders have uh, shared with them or told them, if you have a leader who believes in the apartheid politics, in the apartheid system, where you must have this sort of segregation, where you must have a, a great differentiation between Malaysians uh, according to skin colour, according to race, according to religion, then you grow up with that ideology in your mind and you think that that's the best uh, and that is what has worked. Uh, and in honesty, it has worked for six decades. Um, but so I believe it must come with uh, um, a change of uh, political idea, a change of 
uh, how we view uh, our fellow uh, Malaysians. Uh, and also, it must come with some legislative uh, changes. I, I was speaking to Gerald Joseph from Suhakam, and uh, he mentioned that because they are on the... the they, are, they, they always engage with the government uh, on... Uh, uh, issues on human rights, you know, according to what is in the declaration, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And one of it was what was mooted by the uh, National Unity of Consult and the Consultative Council, I think, the NUCC, uh, which was to come up with like a harmony bill, uh, you know, and I and to criminalize hate speech, etc. You know, extensions of that. Uh, I've not heard of it yet, but I think that would be the, the, the way to go. Uh, to talk about it. What is in the Rukun Negara is very important. It's very applicable and and it's a reminder of the values that we need to hold on to as citizens of this country. But in the middle of all that, there, there are groups that always try to push for their own personal agendas. And that is the wedge that is always used to drive in to separate Malaysians. You know, uh, So I, I guess all politics... You know, we should start moving away. And this is up to political parties uh, to start moving away from that. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see Malaysian leaders who speak for all Malaysians. But it's also an unpopular thing to say because we are still so caught up with identity politics. You know, like when... It, it's crazy because there was a, an accident that happened in Batukawan just even last week. And the, 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 the person who passed away was a Malaysian and the one who was who caused the accident was a foreigner. And there were, in that video, you could hear someone asking whether the person who died was one of us or not. You know, that sort of language is so normal when you see an accident. And, I, I, and we all have spoken about it and we have seen, I mean, we have seen memes and satires of when you see an accident, the first thing is like, oh my gosh, is it a Chinese or an Indian or a Malay, you know, or something like that. Uh, you know, until and unless we ourselves also move away from that sort of identity politics, uh, you know, it's 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 hard. It's, it'll be very difficult uh, uh, to change. So it is sometimes politicians who play to the gallery. You know, your constituents look at you as a hero of that ethnicity, that group, that religion. You know, whether you want to rock the boat there, or you know, do you still want to? You know, you know that if you continue this 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 performance of yours as this sort of a leader, you know that. You, you will be voted in again because that's your identity. But if you want to be more inclusive, you know, it would mean that you will ruffle some feathers. Is that a risk you want to take or not? Even the death penalty for the... It's such an unpopular topic. No one wants to really talk about it. But, you know, it's something that I've raised every single parliament sitting. I have one question that I dedicate uh, uh, to my, my oral question on the death penalty. Uh, you know, it's perseverance also at the end of the day. But yeah, it it, it has to start with the people and it must also be, it, the conversation must be also mooted by the government. Change, I'm sure it's uh, very difficult and uh, not just for MPs to lead the way, but I'm sure yeah. even leaders in everywhere, in, in our communities, in our workplace, even in the homes, in the I world. suppose. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have another question. It's from Neville Masang. Good morning, Nev. Does OIB have any regrets in sacrificing her own ambitions <laughs> against her sacrifices for the rakyat? What motivates you, OIB? Oh, uh, no regrets. No regrets at all uh, serving the people. Uh, I just, 
I have my own um, benchmark. I have my own uh, expectations of how I conduct myself that I need to live up to. Uh, you know, sometimes we are very hard on ourselves on how we do things and when we do things and the way we do it. Um, but no, no regrets. Uh, I I wouldn't call it um, uh, sacrificing, lah. You know, because this is what I I enjoy also doing. Uh, you know, my my my. My party, my party uh, inspires me. My family inspire me. My constituents inspire me. Uh, you know, it is very challenging. But um, what motivates me would be, um, I don't think I could, I could give up politics and wake up the next day and feel good and happy and like, oh my gosh, I'm finally away from all that. You know, I will be constantly worrying about things. You know, like how is how is this panning out? What is happening with this? You know, how how you know, like specific issues, like if you want to think about the schools in your constituencies, you know, how are the schools managing post-COVID, you know, and how are the children, do they have food to eat or not? And and what about, you know, women who are victims of domestic violence? And what about, uh, uh, sorry, men and women who are victims of domestic violence? Um, what about terrorism? What about, it, so many things. So I, I, I think those are the things that keep me uh, motivated. Um, is because I know that that change is possible. Uh, it will not come easily. It will not come um, fast, uh, and it needs a lot of work. And that is where you throw yourself in. It is the work, you know, like like how teachers go to school every day. I'm sure you have good days and bad days, and um, you know your your what you need to do is to groom uh, your your. Uh, students or your children, teachers call their students children, you know, at the end of the day. So, you know, what you want to teach and, and, and give your children in your classrooms, what are they going to take home, what kind of adults are they going to be, uh, you know, it is, it's an ongoing process. So it's not, it's not like uh, a MLM get rich quick scheme, you know, that you join politics for five years because you think all these things can be done in five years. So, yeah, short-term goals, long-term goals, these are the things that keep you going. At the end of the day, it is just to 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 uh, ensure, to make sure that um, there are lesser people who will be, um, who will be, who will fall below the poverty line, lesser people who are disadvantaged, lesser people who will suffer under the system. You know, you cannot totally eradicate you know, unless maybe, I don't know, has Finland totally eradicated poverty? I'm not sure. But if they have, I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, it's always, it's challenging. You challenge yourself every day. You, you get up every day and tell, ask yourself, you know, what am I going to do today that is that can change the system? And this is something I tell myself, Father. All my life, I've always been battling with my weight. You can ask all my friends and I've always said, like, oh, I don't want to eat this today because I'm watching my weight. And they're like, you've been watching it for years, you know. And then I tell myself, I keep expecting different results doing the same thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, you, 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 every day is like a cheat day. You tell yourself, oh, but two days ago wasn't my cheat day. Yeah, but the next three days are your cheat days, you know. You're not going to go anywhere with that. And then I start asking myself, every every time parliament convenes, I have all my questions I ask. And I and the and somehow I kind of expect the same type of answers or so. Only because the system also hasn't changed 
with administration, with how money is given, you know, middlemen along the way. So if that hasn't changed, how am I going to bring change to my constituency? Then you start to find other ways of how you can assist them to actually improve the system. In fact, two days ago, I sat down with the Minister for Human Resource and his deputy, and I told him, I said, okay, YB, let's talk about employment. Eh? You know, you are, you are thinking about construction companies, manufacturing, perladangan. Okay, we understand big businesses, big industries. I'm talking about coffee shops that are closing. Your kedai runcit that is closing. Your, your you know, small, your, your bubble shops that are closing. You know, these are the small guys that you need to also keep in your, your perimeter of vision, you know. You, you, you know, telling us, I think the government is probably considering uh, maybe maybe allowing refugees to work in construction. But I believe, with all respect to my good friends who are in this business, <laughs> I think they have maybe the financial standing to bring in workers from other countries to work in the construction line. Perhaps we can assist our SMEs or small smaller industries by allowing maybe even refugees or undocumented um, you know, uh, uh, migrants, and you know, we we help them to we help to legalize them. You know, in that way, as far as documentation is concerned, and then allow them to work, which means they don't have to depend on the government for handouts and aid. They can they can sustain themselves and their families. Uh, you know, why they are here, how they are here, they are here already, lah. You have to manage them. You know, you want to say send them back and all. And I think this is also where political education comes in. People don't know Vienna Convention. They don't know that when a country, when when refugees who are political refugees or economic refugees or even refugees because of a natural disaster or war, who come to your country, no one wants to leave their country, no matter how nice the other country is that they're going to. You know, I, I and for them to leave, you know, their their souls are tied to the earth, they're tied to their motherland, and they have to cut that and come to another country. It's difficult, you know, they're not here on vacation, they're not here on a holiday. So our job is to manage them, you know, either they're here on transit and all that. So, um, you know, in this sense, I find that engaging with ministers behind the parliament uh, bubble, uh, you know, talking to them, giving them ideas. I actually wrote down on a piece of paper, I said, nah, it's difficult for you to write, isn't it, Rabi? Come, I write for you. So I told them. You know, I think this is what you should do. Look at what Suhakam has proposed. Look at ILO uh, uh, policies. You know, talk to talk to those people who are working with the refugees and that community. Engage with them and then find out they're not going to push for you to give citizenship to everyone. No, they just want them to be alive, and and you know, not to be not to die because of starvation in your country. I mean, this is Malaysia, you know, not not the North Pole. So yeah. Sometimes engaging and talking to them, uh, having small meetings, you know, it, it goes a long way. La. It helps to maybe open their eyes and their perspective. Oh, I never thought about it that way sort of thing. Yeah. So that, that also is one of the factors that keeps me motivated. You know, you know YB, on, on the flip side of uh, motivation, just when you face setbacks or, you know, like shocking events, like, you know, just like a couple of weeks ago and all that, I, how does uh, you know? How do you deal with it? And uh, does your faith help you in supporting all the setbacks that you face throughout the journey? Yes, but this one helps me more. So, <laughs> oh, I really, 
<laughs> I love bakwa, you know. So I went and bought like you know different flavors of bakwa and just sat and ate, you know, just like that. No bread, no rice, just just like that. <laughs> yeah, chocolates and ice cream. Yeah, I yeah I splurged on ice cream. I paid one small vice and food is your vice is all right it's okay <laughs> yeah except that it's not small father <laughs> yeah so in our, in our in our comment section we are receiving so many uh, accolades uh, you know just congratulating you for the courage the work that you do thank you and the, the support oh. you know um, one of the things that um, i think we are coming to an end very quickly oh. I mean, we can go on and, and we can have you again, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, you would be the younger generation of politicians that, that have come up, you know. I mean, I grew up with, you know, those who are, those I, I've heard when they're growing up, they are now all senior politicians, senior parliamentarians, and you would be the next generation. And I just read yesterday uh, one professor of, I think, social science, he says that we need more younger politicians uh, yeah. Parliament to come up. Uh, what Thank would you, advise, what would your advice be? I know for people, you know, you know that you said you didn't want to be an armchair critic. You wanted to be involved. Uh, who are listening to us? Uh, our young people who are listening to us. What advice would you give them if they want to come in uh, and to to make a change? You know, uh, uh, you know. I think this famous saying that goes, "Be the change that you want to see in the world." Uh, Gandhi said that. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. Said that. Yeah. Uh, what would you? How would you advise if people want to get involved into into politics to make a change uh, in society, whether it's politics or whether it's NGO or right. to be an agent of change? What would your advice be? Um, first, you have to be involved in that NGO or the group or even in a political party. Uh, you have to put yourself out there. You have to join them for activities. Uh, sometimes it's even like a company. Like for example, if you see a worker who has been working very hard and you see a very dedicated worker, you as the boss will look and say, okay, maybe I'll call him and talk to him and maybe I will challenge him a bit more and see whether he can cope with that or not and see how he addresses issues, situations, problems. And that would then be your stepping stone, uh, you know, for you to handle, manage, to earn that sort of trust and confidence uh, and also to be vocal about your thoughts and your ideas. Uh, it's not very easy, um, you know, but... But if you have that dream and you have a vision for yourself, for the country, uh, then you have to, to step up. Um, I think it was uh, Sheryl Sandberg in her book, Lean In. Uh, you know, sometimes a lot of us are pushed into the shadows because there are others who take up the, the spotlight, you know. But I guess the younger generation, as I've seen in Parliament Digital and, and on other platforms, um, they are not afraid to, to speak up on what they believe in, to criticize and to to uh, it, uh, to uh, yeah to actually to actually speak their mind uh, and I think that is very important you know not to be just henchmen and just you know to follow the tide and then just not rock the boat sort of thing sometimes to get things done you have to rock the boat think outside the box read a lot uh, empower yourself with knowledge speak to people uh, and then make your own judgment and your your decision. Um, I still have pol uh, the public, I still have activists, I still have politicians telling me uh, to forget about some of the campaigns that I'm, I'm working on. Even marital rape also. I have also had some people who say, yeah, don't waste your time with marital rape. Like, you know, it's very difficult. 
But it was also very difficult when we criminalized domestic violence. It was difficult when we allowed men and women to vote. So, and it was not easy at that. And it was a different time and era. So for the young people out there, uh, particularly also a shout out to women. Uh, I'm sure many of them would have seen what happened on Monday and thought, oh my gosh, I don't want to be subjected to this. You know, I might be called other things and I don't know how to cope with it and I have a different coping mechanism and all that. But, and that is why I was hoping that this amendment that I'm mooting will protect men and women, the younger generation who come so that they will not be subjected to what I went through. I should be the last MP to have endured that. But again, it is not easy. It's politics, you know. It is not, uh, uh, you know, and it can move. And that sometimes you have, you have very stormy days. Sometimes you have sunny days, and sometimes the weather is just perfect. Uh, you know, so you need to be able to adjust to persevere. I mean, if you look at somebody like Lim Kitian, you know, 50 years in politics. You know, and I have seen him, and uh, from where I was sitting, because now we sit at the gallery. So I looked at him sitting on the opposition bench, and I told myself, I said, all his life uh, he has been sitting on this side. And just for 22 months, uh, he moved and sat this side. You know, and now he's back on the opposition bench again. You know, you know for him who sits, because uh, you're sitting in parliament is ranked by your seniority in your party, uh, you know, etc., so he sits in the front row. You know, for him to be sitting there and looking at his opponents, like 50 years I sat on this side, la, you know, I'm back here again. What keeps him going? You know, and he's been, he's faced far worse challenges than me to have your banner put on the ground and have people urinating on them. I don't know if, how I would deal with it, you know. Probably like take time off and just buy like a bag of bakwa and chocolates and ice cream and like, okay, everybody. You know, this is my bakwa time. But then, uh, I, I don't know, yeah. But when I see him, I'm like, yo, how, how does he do it? I, I guess having support from friends. And I had friends who called me, family members who called me, uh, whom I shared with and, you know, who gave me a lot of support and motivation. And not forgetting total strangers out there, la, really. I'm so humbled by the support, you know, and, and stories that I'm getting from mothers who are sending me, oh, my daughter is also dark, you know. And I fear now if she will grow up in this sort of toxic environment or not. But yeah, we have to make sure that we keep pushing this kind of racist and sexist into a corner and, and with that, reduce the number. You cannot absolutely uh, eliminate them. I almost said annihilate, you know. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then, yeah, there will always be, look at America. You know, it's supposed to be cradle of some of the biggest democracies, etc. They also had such a bloody past, a bad past with racism. And just when you thought that they have actually buried that, you find that, you know, the whole thing has stirred up again, which I don't know whether it's a diversion or not to how they've badly managed COVID-19. But those are just my thoughts in my head that accidentally now has come out of my mouth. But then, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's countries are, you know, you still have racism in a socially democratic country like Norway. You know, and, and, you know, India has one of the best democracies in the world. They have an Equality Act. And yet, the gender inequality is just appalling in India. The hate crime, the, you know, the violence against girls and women there is just, yeah, you know, they've, they've taken it to another level. Uh, yo. But then, yeah, so this keeps you going, you know, that you, you, will, you will, and the pendulum swings. Always, my mother always told me, it's always like a pendulum, you know. 
and now i see it's very disturbing because very right wing very conservative that type of leaders are back in power there was a time that you know the pendulum swung the other side and you saw a lot of very liberal progressive sort of center left you know green party sort of leaders in power but if you look at the philippines if you look at sri lanka i mean uh, you know you find that sort of dictatorship coming back you know even in europe so it's a little bit uh, worrying for for us as we know what happens in superpower countries they have a great spillover effect on other countries that are not just economically economically dependent on them we have that relationship but you know it makes us then be quiet on violations of human rights in our countries uh, you know for example like in china voices of dissent go missing they they just disappear but how is malaysia going to say anything when they're one of our biggest trading partners and these are realities so to so young people you know it's good to open up your mind your horizon read 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 you know watch good talk shows you know and 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 yeah you know understand and read about what happens uh, uh in other parts of the world uh you know keep abreast with what is happening in the country uh be open to views and you make your judgment because you you cannot make judgments based without data without information you know you must make uh um uh, how, what did they say uh, learned judgments you know and as a politician you 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 need to make that sort of decisions because what you say affects everyone uh you know who have put their trust confidence and given you the opportunity to be their representative to voice out for them what they cannot do or don't know how to you know yeah yeah it's a big responsibility but if you're if you're game to take that on then you will you will you'll persevere yeah I think I think I think you just committed a big crime here. You forgot to say that watch good talk shows like Catholics at Home. Amazing talk shows like Catholics at Home. Anyway, uh, you know, just just some last thoughts, uh, comments. I just want to add. You know, when I was here, you know, playgrounds, the street. You know, you play in you play in the road. So when cars come, you move aside. You know, you put a badminton net, and then some people shout, "Hey, you want your father's road?" And so you're standing here. But you have actually a street named after your father. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Road, you know. But I, I guess you know for you, starting off in politics is always under the shadow of your father because the name that you carry. Hmm. But I just, I just want to add. I think you have moved out of the shadow and you are in your own shadow now. Oh. What? Yeah. You know. And I think you, you stand your own. Uh, yeah. Keep it up. Uh, Thank you, Father. Keep the course going, and I think we should never lose hope in whatever we are doing. Yeah, indeed, indeed. There will always be people who will challenge that. There will always be the minority who will speak the loudest to make you doubt that you know, are you you know, should I still invest or not? Should I still keep going or not? Should I? Maybe somebody else will take over lah. I'm done already. You know, there will always be that people, but you must you must know that that you you cannot give in to that, you know, and there will always be the minority. You know, because of the siege mentality, they are they fear the unknown. Uh, you know, and they don't want change. They like status quo. Uh, and you must take that as a challenge. You know, silence them, and and you know, make them realize that they, you know, in the Malaysian context, you you just cannot move forward if you keep holding on to that. Yeah. So we hope to have you back soon, Kevin. Over to you. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much.
Yeah, thank you, YB. Just echoing uh, Father's sentiments that, uh, you know, uh, we're very glad that you're uh, serving uh, the community and our country, and we're glad of uh, the work that you do for us. You know, we've got a lot of uh, comments on our chat coming in, you know, from Cynthia, uh, Anselm, Desmond, even Lavin from Perth. So, you know, we, we could take this show on further longer, but, you know, maybe we'll have you back for another time. There's lots more to talk thank about. So again, I'm so humbled by you. the support, really. And even to be considered by Father who reached out to me and invited me, really. I'm just like a small potato, you know, small kachang. You know, if there are people out there who want to, to support you, I mean, of course, there are many ways of support. I, I'm sure they can support you through social media too that's how i connected yes. with you. yeah yes, so you're, yes. you're, on, you're on facebook uh are you on yes. instagram also yes i'm yeah. just started to yeah twitter yeah. instagram facebook yeah. yeah so to our listeners out there if you want to support her at least you know uh, you can uh, thank you. Like her page and, and follow the, the good work that you're doing yeah I think it's thank very you important. so much thank you thank you father okay father maybe we can end with a prayer before we as you always do let's end with a prayer name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning, for this opportunity to, to speak to a member of parliament uh, who has dedicated herself to, to serve you through the community. We not only pray for her, we pray for all parliamentarians, we pray for all politicians, that they may always serve for the common good of the people so that we may continue to flourish, to grow, to be a sign in the world. So bless Kasturi, bless all those who serve with her, continue to inspire them for the right cause, for the truth, and for justice. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Amen. Son. Thank you for that, Father. And uh, once again, thank you, YB. We hope to see you soon. You know, maybe we can have some bakwa together. And, you know, best regards to the family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bakwa is definitely on the card. Banana leaves, bakute, bakwa, you name it. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Fantastic. And for those of you watching, thank you for joining us this Saturday morning. If you like the show, give us a thumbs up, you know, give us a love or something. And uh, we hope to see you again in the next show next Saturday morning. So from all of us here at Catholics at Home and also YB Kasuripato, I uh, wish you a very good sun, uh, Saturday morning. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Hallelujah! Shall